Charleston, South Carolina, a city rich in fascinating history, beautiful sandy beaches, and bountiful ghost stories. None more so than one of its oldest structures, the old Charleston Jail. It is said that many experience the feeling of being grabbed or scratches appearing after touring the old jail, and even reports of seeing the ghostly apparition of Lavinia Fisher, America's first female serial killer. Considering that you can still take a tour of the old Charleston jail to this day, you're welcome to find out for yourself. I'm Blake Mosley, and this is South Carolina Spook Show. Stay tuned. one thinks of haunted locations, the first thing that comes to mind are houses, usually followed by cemeteries. But another type of location that should also come to mind are prisons. After all, few other places throughout history have seen more pain and death than prisons. The lore of prison tales in the United States are deeply woven into America's fabric. Stories that are quintessentially depicted in films like Cool Hand Luke and Escape from Alcatraz and immortalized in songs like Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues and Bob Dylan's Hurricane. For those who survived prison, for them the triumph is a hollow victory, as they are forever cursed with the label of convict and the scars of the nightmare life from behind bars. But for those who never again got the chance to breathe air as a free man or woman, their souls in the afterlife are doomed to haunt the grounds of their captivity for eternity. The infamous grounds of captivity in the city of Charleston, South Carolina, is the old Charleston Jail. It's a prison so dark and gothic in appearance, you would swear you are looking at the pages from a Batman comic come to life. And just like Gotham's Blackgate prison, since the old Charleston Jail has existed, it has housed some of the most crazed criminals imaginable, including Lavinia Fisher, usually credited as the first female serial killer in the United States. Her lost soul is just one of the many spirits said to haunt the old Charleston jail. The old Charleston jail, or the old jail as it is simply known in Charleston, served in the capacity of a prison from 1802, the year that it was constructed, till the year of 1939. The land that the jail was built upon was specifically set aside for matters of public concern. Not long after the city's founding, this four acre lot was set aside not just for a prison, but for other public uses, including a poorhouse, a hospital, and a workhouse for slaves. Once the jail was completed, it stood at an amazing height of four stories and featured an octagonal tower. A little over 50 years later, the jail would undergo a remodeling process in which it would gain an additional wing. The expansion and the new Romanesque revival style of the prison was designed by the Charleston architectural duo of Louis J. Barbeau and John H. Seal. However, three decades later, the earthquake of 1886 damaged the prison so severely that many of the improvements that were made had to be removed. 
The old jail was home to a great number of Charleston's most notable inmates, from 19th century pirates to Civil War prisoners of war. Of all the prisoners who have taken up residence at the old jail, there is perhaps none more infamous than Lavinia Fisher, as she is considered to be the country's first female serial killer, but in actuality, she is just the first to be recognized for this ominous distinction. Little information is actually known about Lavinia's backstory, but it is believed that she had lived in America for most of her life. What is known for certain is that she went on to marry a man by the name of John Fisher. Lavinia and John became notorious after their arrest and conviction. Though there is some debate about whether or not Lavinia was a killer or just an accessory to the murders that were committed. However, the most common belief to date is that she was not only a killer, but a savage as well. Lavinia and her husband John were owners of the Charleston Inn, the six-mile Wayfarer house. A reference to the hotel's location, as it was situated six miles north of the city of Charleston. During the era of managing the six-mile Wayfarer house, in the early part of the 19th century, reports of guests disappearing commonly made their way to the sheriff. But, despite these complaints, no action against the couple was taken at first, as Lavinia and John were popular and highly regarded amongst locals. But, the Fisher's status didn't stop the stories from coming out. Rumors of how Lavinia would invite traveling businessmen to the inn for dinner, and then would proceed to ask the individual questions regarding their job to ascertain how much money they had on their person. After dinner, Lavinia would give the traveler a cup of tea, spiked with poison. Once the traveler had their tea and then retired to their room for the night, Lavinia's husband John would then enter the traveler's room, where he would stab the person in their weakened state, then steal all of their belongings, later disposing of the body. An alternate and more Sweeney Todd-esque tale has Lavinia taking up a larger role in the murders. In this telling, Lavinia would give the travelers a cup of tea, made only to send the recipient into a deep sleep. Once the traveler had passed out on the bed for the night, Lavinia would pull a special lever that would cause the bed to collapse, dropping the traveler into a pit filled with spikes. Sensationalized rumors of the time have made it virtually impossible in deducing what is fact and what is fiction when it comes to the Fishers and their activity at the Six Mile Wayfarer house. But there are some eyewitness accounts. During the height of the Fishers' criminal activity, Vigilantes arrived from Charleston to clean up the Fishers' neighborhood of crime. The Fishers were able to keep a low profile while the Vigilante group was around. After some time, the group believed that they had sufficiently dealt with the gang and returned back to the city. But, one of the members of the Vigilante group was left behind to watch over the neighborhood. This young man was David Ross. The following morning, Ross was taken captive and brought before the gang. Ross, being terrified, looked to Lavinia for help, a futile plea, as she would reportedly choke Ross and then throw him headfirst through a window. Somehow, Ross was able to escape the gang and fled back to Charleston, where he contacted the authorities. Another eyewitness, rather living witness, was a man by the name of John Peoples. Peoples had stumbled upon the Fisher's Inn and asked Lavinia for a room. She informed him that she did not believe they had any vacancies, but invited him in and offered him a cup of tea. Peoples accepted, however, not being a big fan of tea, dumped his cup out whenever Lavinia wasn't looking. Believing he actually drank the tea, Lavinia began to ask him questions about his dealings, sticking to her usual routine. 
After finding out that Peoples was a man of wealth, she suddenly told him that there was a free room after all. Peoples became very alarmed during the conversation with Lavinia, but accepted the room anyway. Still weary, Peoples decided to rest in the room's chair instead of the bed itself. Shortly after he drifted off to sleep, he awoke to the sound of the bed collapsing, taking notice of the fissures in action. Peoples immediately jumped out of the room's window and made his way to Charleston where he informed the authorities. With the accounts of both Ross and Peoples, the police were finally able to imprison the Fishers and their gang. The Fishers were then taken to the old jail, where they awaited trial. The two were sentenced to hang for their crimes. As the execution date neared, John began to search for penance with the help of a minister, Reverend Richard Furman. However, Lavinia did not seem to care about atoning for her sins. While her husband pleaded for forgiveness as his final moments approached, Lavinia used her last minute to mock the crowd that came to see her hang. Rumor has it that she taunted them by saying, If you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. After the rope had cracked, Lavinia was buried in the old jail cemetery. To this very day, many claim that the ghost of Lavinia still haunts the old jail, with sightings coming about from both locals and tourists alike. The prison is believed to be haunted by the ghost of inmates who died during their incarceration. Lost souls lingering and lurking around every corner. Spirits of not only murderers and pirates, but of the wrongfully convicted, prisoners of war, and slaves. Some of the occurrences that go on at the jail today include your run-of-the-mill hauntings. Objects that seemingly move on their own, disembodied voices and ghostly whispers emanating out in thin air, and the ever-prosaic slamming doors. There have been many strange happenings that have occurred over the years at the old Charleston jail. One of the first modern-day reported encounters took place when the prison was undergoing renovations in the year 2000. The prison had been sealed off for months to avoid lead paint contamination, though when the construction workers returned, they discovered in the dust there were human footprints. During the renovation, process workers would continue to deal with similar oddities. But nothing quite like one night when they saw the ghost of a former prison guard with rifle in hand patrolling the third floor of the jail. The guard seemingly began to charge towards the workers before vanishing. Perhaps the guard thought that some of the inmates were attempting a jailbreak. Some of the other, more common ongoings with the old jail include the sounds of the no longer operational dumbwaiter moving between floors and vanishing items like jewelry. Perhaps the ghost of Lavinia has a taste for the finer things, even in the afterlife. A woman named Christiane took a tour of the old jail back in 2012, and she was joined by her husband as she was nervous about going on her first ghost tour. The gentleman who guided her group encouraged everyone to take as many pictures as they wanted to. Early into the tour, she began to take photos with her flash on, but didn't see anything out of the ordinary, well, aside from the creepy prison that they found themselves touring. As their group moved onward, they eventually reached the second floor, where it is believed that John and Lavinia Fisher were housed as they awaited their executions. Christiane resumed taking pictures. Experimenting, she took her first couple of shots with the flash off, but saw nothing except a dark image. Once the tour was over, she was disappointed as she had seemingly not captured any ghostly images to share with her friends and family. However, 
When she got home, she began looking through all the pictures that she had taken, as she was uploading some of them to her Facebook account. When she had gotten to the photos that she had taken while on the second floor, you know, the ones she took without the flash, and they came out black, upon further examination, she discovered that those photos were not as black as she had previously thought. In fact, she could see two images now, images that appeared to be ghostly faces. Christian elaborated, one seemed to have been standing in front of the other. Both have different faces. The unexplainable faces left her to wonder, could this be John and Lavinia Fisher? The old jail is located at 21 Magazine Street and is owned by the American College of the Building Arts, who purchased the property back in 2000 from the city's housing authority. Bear in mind, people who have walked to the jail have been known to complain about being touched or grabbed by an unknown presence while at the old Charleston jail. Others have experienced unexplained scratches while touring the old jail's grounds. You've been warned. South Carolina has its fair share of ghost stories and haunted buildings, but it also has a number of haunted roads. Some of the most haunted roads in the state are up next on South Carolina Spook Show. Life isn't always easy. In fact, we all battle depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the thing that we can rely on to get us through the tough times we all face. The podcast, When Words Fail, Music Speaks, with host James and Blake, discusses the healing power of music. They interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and a lot more. On When Words Fail, Music Speaks, enjoy interviews and lively discussions about musicians and songs you know and love. This is a podcast any music lover will enjoy. Add When Words Fail, Music Speaks to your podcast playlist right now. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no doubt in anyone's minds that South Carolina holds a lot of ghosts. It's one of the oldest states in the U.S., and therefore, there are tons of tragedies and happenings that punctuate its history. I don't know about you, but I have always thought that particularly tragic cases could leave energies behind. In this case, we do have a lot going on here. But if you've read any one of the numbers of books pertaining to ghosts and hauntings of the state, then it should not surprise you that there are haunted streets in South Carolina. Cobb's Way Anderson. It's said that a ghostly figure wears a white mask that appears to haunt this road. The ghost is believed to be a killer that slaughtered people in the 1500s. Cherokee Falls Bridge, Blacksburg. This is the place where the legend of Booger Jim comes from. It's reported that he died on this bridge in 1979 when his crazy wife, Becca, hung him from the bridge with jumper cables at around 9 p.m. They say if you stop and call his name three times, you will hear him call back, but you won't ever be able to make it out due to the fact that his throat was crushed when he was hung. Rockhouse Road, Blacksburg. Rockhouse Road runs alongside Kings Mountain Battleground. It's said that a long time ago, there was a family that lived in a rock house, which still stands and can be toured one day a year. This family had a daughter who was kept in the cellar during the day as she was different from the rest and at night she would be given a candle by her father who would let her out of the house to roam around. The story says that one night she went farther than normal, her candle went out, and she was found dead. They say if you light a candle in the darkness, 
her face will appear. Riverbend Road, Catfish. This road happens to be called North Carolina Highway 16 as well. There's an old Native American burial ground down this road about three miles. Turn off into a field where you'll find an old dirt road. There's a chain blocking it off. People say that they continuously see lights down there and these strange things happen at night. Congaree River Bridge, Columbia. This particular bridge seems to be haunted by a phantom hitchhiker. She's a woman who asks you for a ride, wanting you to take her home. Unfortunately, she never gets there, and this is repeated over and over throughout the years. Chain Gang Road, Gaffney. It seems that if you travel this road, you'll hear the screams of young women who were the victims of the Gaffney Strangler. Carson Drive, Gaffney. The residents of Carson Drive have found that they have an unexpected guest on their road. When traveling down this road, some people have seen a white dog. Doesn't seem too scary, right? Well, it also seems that this dog will stand up on its hind legs and come at you. No one seems to know where the demon dog comes from, but it was first sighted some years ago. Leroy's Bridge, Gaffney. This is another one for the Gaffney Strangler. This man brutally murdered several women in the 60s and dumped their bodies in different locations around Gaffney. One of these spots is a bridge just off Highway 329 where the first victim was found in a body of shallow water underneath the bridge itself. It's said that if you walk across the bridge, you'll hear her crying for help. Route 107, Greenville. During the 1950s, a plane crashed in this area and a man named Larry Stevens, who is also known as the Hitchhiker, can be seen walking down this road and then disappearing. Main Street, Hilda. Hilda's Main Street seems to have its own haunt. Early in the morning and late at night, you'll be able to hear the sound of a train whistle as well as hear a train coming down the tracks. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there are no tracks to be seen on Main Street as they were torn up years ago. Highway 521, Devil Stomping Ground, Lancaster. Okay, I admit that you can't exactly drive to this place, but you most definitely can drive by it, and that doesn't seem to be fun either. The Devil Stomping Ground is a circular place in a field beside Highway 521 where absolutely nothing grows. Some say that it was the execution site of the Waxaw and Catawba Indians. Evil spirits would then come and gather the souls of the dead. People consistently have stated that you have a feeling of dread fear, or overwhelming nausea. Dead Man's Curve, Manning Cemetery, Manning. When the moon is just right, you might see an old man sitting on the side of the road in a rocking chair. You see, his son was killed in this spot whenever he got run over, and his father sat there and waited for the driver who ran over his son. Even after death, he still waits. Poinsett Bridge, Greenville. This bridge is closed to auto traffic, but is close to the road, and you can walk across it. The story goes that a slave was hung underneath the bridge and still haunts it to this day. Some even report hearing his screams. Martinville Church Road, Sumter. It's said that if you go a few miles down this road, you'll see a little, old, unused church on the side of the road. There is a cemetery behind this church, and the ones that reported this haunt say that when they got out of their car and went to check the cemetery, they found a very large iron gate and heard faint singing. The air was heavy and turned cold even in the middle of July. 
Then the lights came on in the church. Obviously, they didn't stick around to see what else was going on. They ran, jumped in their car, and left, presumably never to return again. Devenger Road, Taylor's. It seems that on one Halloween night, a woman stopped to get something out of the trunk for her children when a truck struck them and ended their lives. The story goes that if you stop on this bridge and put your tires in a certain spot, you will be pushed back. Apparently, it's the woman pushing you back to safety. I suppose a mother is always a mother, even in death. Crybaby Bridge, Union. Apparently, the story that is told most often about this particular bridge is that if you put your car in neutral, it will roll up the hill. Supposedly, no one has ever figured out why. Watery River Swamp Bridge between Sumter and Columbia. This legend centers around a westbound bridge as the woman who is hitchhiking is trying to get to Columbia to see her ill mother. It's said that she appears solid and can make small talk with you, but will disappear just before the end of the bridge just to do this over and over again. It seems that she's been doing this since the 1930s when the bridge was brand new. Old State Road, West Columbia. A school bus was hit by a train here at the railroad tracks in the 70s. It is said that if you stop on the tracks here and put your car in neutral, that you will be pushed back from the tracks reportedly by the souls of the dead children. Some people have put baby powder on the bumper and report seeing little handprints after they had been pushed back off the tracks. Lonely Bridge, Westminster. It's been reported as a matter of fact that a woman died here in the 1950s. It's said that she will jump into your car and then disappear before you have a chance to stop. Many have said she screams for them to help her find her children. Seven Devils Bridge, Woodruff. You can only cross this bridge on foot. The story, however, says that you absolutely cannot cross this bridge on the stroke of midnight because you'll break down screaming and crying uncontrollably. Have you ever driven down any of these haunted streets in South Carolina? I have to say, our state has its fair share of ghosts, and this is not only a portion of what's going on around here. Many of these properties may be under no trespassing laws. Please do not trespass on others' properties. Get permission and or ask the police first. Also, please take precautions such as cell phones, bring a friend, and always let someone know where you're going in the event that you may need them, because you never know what you're going to find. Hey everybody, thank you for coming back after sticking with me for an entire month of October for our uh, Halloween special that we did. Um, appreciate you coming back. Uh, I, I'm trying to get back into this uh, habit of doing these once a month. I was trying very, very hard to get this out before Thanksgiving, just in case anybody was going to be doing some traveling and needed something to listen to. Uh, however, Audacity was working against me the entire time, but we finally got things up and running. I'm very happy to be back, and I'm very excited to bring you more stuff in the future. Uh, this episode was actually a suggestion from two people, uh, McCatherine and Craig, so, so thank you guys for sending me 
some articles and some information on this one so I could create an episode out of it. And if you want to send me some suggestions uh, for future episodes, feel free to do so. I'd love to use them. Please share this episode and any of my past episodes with friends and family if you guys are into true crime and ghost stories, especially in the state of South Carolina. Uh, We're available on multiple podcast platforms. Uh, And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you don't mind leaving me a rating and a review, I would very much appreciate it. I've got two here uh, that came in from TazMRNSC, said more stories, please, gave me five stars. Thank you so much. Great show so far. Can't wait for more. And I've got another one here from Destiny McElaney. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. She said, great podcast. Another five stars. Thank you so much. I love this podcast. Recently listened to episode six and found out that where they were buried is where we have our family reunions. And next time I'll definitely try and go look for the does of Sumter County. I will listen at work. Thank you so much for making work better. Thank you so much for listening to this. And I hope that uh, if you did some traveling to Sumter for Thanksgiving that you were able to go check that out. Uh, Obviously, one of the biggest true crime stories to come out of not only South Carolina, but just, you know, to be from, from Sumter and uh, have the Sumter County does. It's, it's, it's wild to me. I really enjoyed doing this episode in particular. Craig sent me the link to the article for the most haunted roads in South Carolina. And as I was reading them, I was like, holy crap, we could definitely do some full blown episodes on some of these stories. So that is definitely in the pipeline as well. Uh, sources from this episode come from ghostcitytours.com. Uh, And don't drive on these 27 haunted streets in South Carolina or you'll regret it. Was written by Gwen Tenniel for OnlyInYourState.com. You can follow the show on multiple social media platforms or on Facebook and Instagram. It's at South Carolina Spook Show. And also on Twitter, it's at SC Spook Show. You can send me ideas or some of your own personal stories. You can send those to scspookshow at gmail.com. Or you can shoot me a message on any of the social media sites that I mentioned before. Uh, If you don't mind, give my other podcast a listen. It's called When Words Fail, Music Speaks. I do that with my buddy James Cox. It's all about music and mental health. Uh, We have a lot of fun doing it. We're also available multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts. Sources from this episode come from ghostcitytours.com. And Don't Drive on These 27 Haunted Streets in South Carolina or You'll Regret It was written by Gwen Tenniel for OnlyInYourState.com. All articles read on South Carolina Spook Show are the property of their respective authors and it is used for purposes of commentary and review. No copyright infringement is intended. Thank you so much for listening to South Carolina Spook Show. Thank you again for listening. I'm Blake Mosley and this is South Carolina Spook Show. Y'all stay spooky. Spooky.